taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. Tune the city point. Giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. Tune the city point. Giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. Tune the city point. Giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. Let's jump right into the word. Uh, I'm looking at Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Brief word of prayer, and then we'll jump right in. Lord, thank you so much for giving me this chance to preach your word. I pray that it will be meaningful and impactful to your people. God, give us this space to be undistracted during this time, to hear what you would have to say to us. I pray these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 6, verse 1, from the New uh, International Version. Here is what it says. It says, In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. That's Acts chapter 6, uh, verse 1, from the New uh, International Version. I want to talk for a few minutes about leave no one behind. Leave no one behind. In the 1998 movie, Saving Private Ryan, we are met with the dangerous tenacity with which Tom Hanks' character goes after finding and bringing home Private James Ryan. In the movie, which is set in World War II, uh, Private Ryan has lost all of his brothers to war, and so the United States military has decided that since he is his mother's only remaining or surviving son, it is imperative for them that Private Ryan be brought home from the war. And so risking life and limb, uh, Captain John Miller, who is played by Tom Hanks, searches all over until he is able to find and ensure that Private Ryan leaves that battlefield safe and sound. Uh, the heart-grabbing part of this story is that Tom Hanks' character risks and loses his life ensuring that Private Ryan is not left behind. This theme of not being left behind is not only applicable for war and the good Hollywood movie, but may I suggest to you that it is also a model for cooperation within the Lord's Church. So I raise the question to you this morning, what are you willing to risk to ensure that when it comes to those within your church family, that economically, no one is left behind? I, this kind of thinking flies in the face of the me, myself, and I mentalities. This type of question grates against individualistic, my life is about my personal relationship with Jesus Christ and him taking me on a journey from where I am to my personal, prosperous, destiny kind of thinking. Yes, this thinking calls for a deconstruction of self-preservation and self-first thinking, and it pushes for one to care more about the well-being of the whole than just oneself. 
So I ask again, what are you willing to risk to ensure that when it comes to those within your congregation, the people that you worship with in person or virtually, the people who you share spiritual food with Sunday after Sunday, the families whose kids play with your kids, who are part of your community group, who sit on the same row as you in person, who you fist bump or hug on Sunday mornings, whose comments you look forward to in the chat or who post or share insights that make you feel seen and heard. My question to you this morning is what are you willing to risk to ensure when it comes to those within your church family, no one is left behind. Uh, This theme of interdependence for uplift and support comes out in Jay-Z's Feeling It on the Reasonable Doubt album. In that song, he talks about the value of ensuring financial success, not just for oneself, but for one's whole crew. In other words, Jay says it ain't enough to make it and gloat success and to be able to front in front of your people. Uh, Instead, the better way is to care about everybody's come up. And he says that the value of it is that this kind of thinking actually fortifies the entire group because the success of others serves as a hedge against one's own downfall. The verse says, if everybody in your clique is rich, your clique is rugged, nobody will fall because everyone will be each other's crutches. Here he talks about economic cooperation, or in other words, cooperative economics, where he says, leveraging our resources to help each other come up, and leveraging our resources to protect against each other's downfall is a way that we ensure that we leave nobody behind. Du Bois champions this same idea. He champions the same notion of cooperative economics and leaving no one behind as he expresses it in his report, Economic Cooperation Among Negro Americans. Uh, he talks about the need for us to swim against this common tide of individualism, this, this, this common tide of individualism, and he, and he pushes us to go against the grain and to go against the tide and to lean into collectivist thinking. There's no better source, though, to talk about this notion of cooperative economics, to talk about this notion of collectivist kind of thinking talk about this idea of Christians not leaving anybody behind, that there is no better place, I think, for this occasion than to look at the word of God. It's in Acts chapter 6, we find the church facing this exact issue. It seems that all is well in the church, that they are working well cooperatively, they are sharing their goods with each other, they are sharing money with each other, they are practicing selflessness, they are loving and serving Jesus Christ, but then all of a sudden, a complaint arises. Well, what is the complaint that, that lifts itself up in this almost utopian kind of church that is happening at this point? Well, what is it that happens to, to come in to start to disrupt this Christian movement Here it is. Greek-speaking Jewish widows were being overlooked when it came to the daily distribution of food. In other words, somebody was being left behind. Apparently,
apparently they had put together some sort of feeding program that was available to all. Perhaps it was uh, not available to everybody, but perhaps it was just available to all of the Christian widows that were in Jerusalem. But whatever it was, they saw as their duty and opportunity this notion of ensuring that they took care of the needs of anybody that was left vulnerable within the church. That's the good part. Ah, but favoritism. Favoritism seems to have stepped in and disrupted this thing. Perhaps it wasn't favoritism. Maybe it was simply unconscious bias that stepped in. But maybe the notices about the food distribution were not going out in a multilingual way so that it made sure that everybody was communicated to whether they spoke Greek or Hebrew. I don't know what it was. Perhaps Sister Jackson was in charge of spreading the news about the food distribution, and the only people that she told were the Hebrew-speaking widows because those were the ones that she plays cards with. I don't know what happened, where the mishap was. Maybe Brother Johnson was the one that was responsible for getting the word out to all of the widows about the food distribution but Brother, jo Brother Johnson be forgetting things. And he told the Hebrew-speaking widows, but forgot it slipped his mind to tell the Greek-speaking widows about the food distribution. Maybe it just was an accident. Or maybe it was nefarious. But at any rate, somebody was being left behind. So I want to talk about what it means to leave no one behind. Uh, how we as a church and as Christians who will go out and be the church in our respective vocations. I want to talk about what it means to leave no one behind to be able to be intentional about that. Leveraging some lessons from this story. Here it is. First of all, to leave no one behind means we see each other's needs. I remember some time ago, I remember a professor having us observe uh, a penny for homework. He said, all right, here's the homework. I want you to take a penny. I want you to write down all your observations about that penny, as many as you can. And so coming back uh, to class at the next class time, myself, my peers, we brought our observations back. Most of us had 10 to 15 observations that we had written down about that penny felt good about what we had. We submitted it to the professor. The professor also had us share it with each other in class. And, and the only thing he told us was, I need y'all to take 10 more minutes, look again, and come up with more observations. So we did that. We spent some time coming up with more observations and found more. And all he said was, take another 10 minutes and observe and find some more. And so he did this several times until many of us had observed some 30 to 40 things about that penny. Now, this exercise that he had sent us through was to sharpen our observation skills. Uh, it was to get us sharper so that when we look at scripture, we don't just glance at it, but we look intently and see. Let me say to you that that is an important skill to have when it comes to people. To see. To not just look at them, but to see them. 
when you log into community groups, do you see the people? When you get online to pray, people share their vulnerable moments. Do you see them? When you read each other's comments in the chat, do you see them? When you attend Sunday school virtually together, do you see the people? When you attend service in person, I know you see bodies in the space, but do you see the people? Do you see the fatigue? Do you see the weariness? Do you see the worry? Do you see the grief? Do you see the pain? Do you see them? Look with me at Acts chapter 6, verse 1 again. It says, in those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. The pretext of this verse is that somebody saw the people and saw the need. This program of food distribution was, was created because somebody saw that need. Let me say to you that this is the first step in what it means to leave no one behind. It is to, first of all, see each other. It is a theme that comes up not just here, but it also comes up in Matthew. Remember when Matthew records Jesus as saying in his parable about the kingdom that some will say, Lord, when did we see you hungry, naked, or sick, or in prison, and didn't feed or clothe or care for or visit you? Jesus will say, when you saw them, the least of these, you saw me. This point that I'm making about visibility is not just about seeing the so-called least of these, but it is about seeing being interested and perceptive enough to see all of our beloved siblings in Christ. Because my bank account and my, and my well-being are not necessarily correlated. My job and my joy are not necessarily connected. Uh, leaving no one behind means we see each other. Second thing that we do is we need to make solutions available to everyone. Yes, leaving no one behind means that we make solutions available to everyone. In the text, they created solutions, but unfortunately, their solutions were not available to everyone. Let me say to you that crucial to leaving no one behind is asking the question, who gets left out by this solution? Who are we not accounting for? When we put in place CP Care, the, the idea was to provide a next level of counseling service to the members of the church that would be provided by professionals that we would compensate. City Point would cover the cost for these services, but what quickly became apparent was that especially in this area of grief, there were quite a few people who were not connected to City Point who needed these services as well. So we had come up with a good solution, but we had not considered the non-members in need that would be left out. 
And so now we are back to the drawing board, figuring out how to make it available to non-members, yet still financially sustainable for City Point's budget to absorb. We have to think about who gets left out. I love our in-person church experience. I love the live music. I love the connection to people. I love seeing the kids excited to see each other. I love the food. I love breaking bread with you all. I love all of it. It's a fantastic experience unless you need the assistance of a wheelchair. There's a step up to get into our building. Just one step. But right there, it assumes that everybody who wants to come in and experience all the dope stuff that I just named, has the ability to step up. Our bathrooms are not ADA compliant. There are 15 steps for a parent to drop their child off in the nursery. 15 steps up, I should say, or 15 steps to climb to be able to drop their child off in the nursery. Our service is highly auditory. We are leaving deaf persons We are leaving behind deaf persons from being able to participate fully in the experience of our service. We have to make solutions available for everyone if we are to leave no one behind. Let me push you to consider who you're leaving behind at your work. Are you ableist at work? Are you ableist when it comes to those who you would hire for your team? How do you share job opportunities that come up in your organization or even on your team? Who does it leave out? The the emails that you send uh, within your network about the position that is about to come up or that has come up on your team or within your organization, who do you send that out to? Is it just the folks that are within your network? Does that hoard opportunities amongst those that already have good connections and good networks? Who is being left behind? The programs, products, the services that your company produces. Ask the question, who's being left behind? In the text, despite what may have been good intentions, the Greek-speaking widows were being left behind. Let me say to you that core to the Christian ethic is that we leave no one behind. Thirdly and finally, to leave no one behind means to acknowledge shortcomings and correct them. Verse number two of chapter six says, So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So when this problem of some folks being left behind were brought to church leaders, they reasoned within themselves that it would not be prudent for us to give up the work that we are doing that is related to the word, the preaching and the teaching, for us to 
manage the food distribution, but we do need to solve the problem. And so in a very solution-oriented way, they decided, let's find some people. <clears throat> in, in their situation and in their culture, they decided for it to be men, but in our solutioning, it does not need to be limited to men. They decided to come up with a solution. Let's put some people in place that can be responsible for this. Essentially, they said, we need a new leadership role created within the church. Yeah, they acknowledged where they had come up short, and they created a solution to the shortcomings, and they said, let's create a new leadership role in the church. We can't just rely on Sister Jackson and Brother Johnson or Brother Washington to get the word out and 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 for uh, some haphazard uh, um, structure for distribution uh, to get in the way of us doing this good thing, this noble thing well. Let's make it somebody's official role. Let's get some qualified people that can help do this important thing. And let's make sure we do it right. Yeah, they didn't dodge. They didn't make excuses. They acknowledged and came up with a solution to try to get it right. That, my siblings, that is how you leave no one behind. Or at least attempt to. You work at it. You work at it. You, you don't get it perfect. You don't get it right every time. You may never get it to that place of perfection but you attempt to leave no one behind. That's what Christian cooperation looks like. That, that's what it looks like with economic cooperation. That, that's what it looks like with any form of cooperation within the church. You leave nobody behind. So let me close simply by saying this. As we go deeper into this cooperative work, Let's think and let's dream holistically, taking the whole into account. How do we ensure the well-being of everybody in our church? How do we ensure that our clique is rugged, as Jay says? Nobody would fall because everyone would be each other's crutches. How do we ensure that such that we leave no one behind? Man, I think we are on to something, City Point Community Church. I think that what we have begun to do is exceptionally beautiful. It's not new because generations of Christians have done this before. Black Christians have done this in this country before. Christians of color have done this um, in this country before. Christians of all stripes have done this before. But it has become a bit of a lost art. As we have spun into this space of individualism within the body over the last however many years. What we are endeavoring on is special. But it will require some ethics. It will require us to push against selfishness. It will require us to push against me, myself, and I mentality. It will require us to think about the collective more than we think about ourselves but through doing that, we create a protective hedge around ourselves that says, I might be up today. I might be able today. I might be good today, but it doesn't. But the reality is, I, things could change up for me tomorrow, 
And I know I'm good because I, my people got me. That is what it should mean to be a part of a church. Not just having some people that I sing and clap with, but having people that I got and having people that got me. That is the beautiful part of this whole thing. Got to put in the work in order to do it. Thank you guys for being willing to put in the work and for already being on this journey doing this work. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for challenging us in good ways uh, today. That what it means to be cooperative truly is to leave no one behind. I pray that you will embed this into our ethos, our ethics as a church. And I pray, God, that you will take us even further in this cooperative work. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, yeah.